0: Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBurge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you.
1: Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio.
0: Good morning. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. Thank you so much for sharing this time with me today. I know it's very valuable, so we're going to treat it as such. Um, we're bringing the mind of Christ to bear on the matters of the day. The goal is that you would be prepared to enter into the conversations that are happening in the world and to do so in ways that honor Jesus. Love to hear from you. You can always text me during the show, 877 933 two24. Invite you to visit us online at myfaithradio.com. Um, if you haven't done so already, hey, why don't you go ahead and download the Faith Radio app? Um, sometimes the radio signal doesn't uh, you know, doesn't ring with perfect clarity, but the app pretty much works all the time. So just text the word app, APP, the eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. That way you'll have access to all of the great programming. Uh, on the faith radio network all the time everywhere. Yep. And you can share the show with somebody else, which would be great. Um, so lots of you have been asking about the Greg Locke movie come out in Jesus name. And I confess, I haven't seen it yet. Um, and so I'm going to um, share with you information that others have shared. Um, so the, the, the conversation here is about deliverance from evil Um it is about freedom prayer. Maybe that's a, um, maybe language or information that you have heard in, a, in your community or an experience you've had yourself. Casting out demons is um, part of this uh, conversation. Exorcism, possession, healing. Those are um, all words or terms that you might hear in relationship to this conversation. And it's about spiritual warfare and it's real and it's in, it's scriptural and Jesus engaged in it and Jesus's disciples engaged in it and we'd be foolish to imagine that oh those things only happened during um those times and those places with those people no i mean we we deal with um we deal with the spiritual realm all the time whether whether or not we consciously deal with it and so spiritual warfare is something that many many christians in america are not equipped to engage in um and so if you know let me just tell you you're in the middle of a battle and you might be standing there totally naked, like right no with no um spiritual armor on completely ill equipped you don't even know you're under attack like that that's no way to be on the battlefield i'm just going to go right ahead and tell you um and so um been looking Looking at all kinds of testimonies related to this that are happening um, in the world. And I thought that this was an interesting piece at faithwire.com because it deals with the reality that the word deliverance, like, right, you're going to hear these described in many times as deliverance ministries or people being, or people describing themselves as having been delivered. And much like the word Trinity, the word deliverance is not actually in the Bible. Um, but you see people delivered from evil right you see that happening you see jesus casting out demons um you see him commissioning 70 people to go and and actually engage in the ministry of casting out demons or i think we we tend to think of exorcism in hollywood terms um and in reality people are dealing with demons all the time and you even hear it referred to um sometimes culturally when somebody will say, well, don't demonize other people. Well, people are under the influence of a demon and we're not demonizing them when we acknowledge that a person is being oppressed or possessed. Uh, And so I think coming to an understanding of these terms and how they're used in scripture would be really beneficial and edifying for each and every one of us. And it's also a recognition that this is a spiritual conversation, and it's going to sound crazy, crazy to um, a world that believes that, you know, we're we're only talking about emotional issues or we're talking about mental illness. No, in many cases, we're talking about demon possession, and we're talking about people who are, are oppressed by and possessed of evil spirits. And Jesus has an answer for that. Um, Jesus has... Uh, language for casting out demons and what that looks like, what it sounds like, and then the invitation for a person to be spiritually regenerated in Christ, like that the Holy Spirit would come and dwell within them, not that they're not that the life of their house would or the house of their life would be empty, right uninhabited it you we are spiritual beings we're going to be inhabited by something, so let's be people who actively invite the Holy Spirit. Um, to not only reside in us, but to work within us moment by moment, keeping us alert and awake and attuned to the spiritual realities around us, to the threats posed um, uh, to us by the enemy who's always prowling around looking for a way into our lives. And let's suit up. Let's armor up. Let's use Ephesians 6 and let's armor up every single day that we might withstand um, all that the enemy seeks to to do in opposition to us. Bill English is going to join us next. We're going to talk about living as Christians uh, in the midst of a government that might be opposed to your faith. Um, obviously, our Christian brothers and sisters in China deal with this all the time in myriad ways. But how, how do we deal with it right now where we live? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Hey, if you haven't been to Bibleandbusiness.com lately, you're missing out on Bill's Friday Five. So let me encourage you to check that out. Bill English is here. Good morning, friend.
2: You know, good morning. I used to a Uh year and a half or two years, and I found it was just a great way to kind of organize my thoughts and some ideas around current events. And then I stopped doing it because I got busy, and now I'm back to doing it again, so...
0: Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. I I appreciate it very much. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's helpful. So thank you for it. Um, Let's talk Mm -hmm. about living under a government that is opposed to your faith. Um, Certainly, we would point to Christians in China, and we would say, wow, these are Christians uh, seeking to live under a government opposed to their faith. Or we might um, look to our brothers and sisters in Iran and say, wow, these are believers under a government opposed to their faith. But increasingly, here in the United States of America, um, Christians find themselves living under a government increasingly opposed to our faith. So what um, biblical story might you point to to help us live in the midst of the of these days?
2: Well, the article that, that you and I talked about uh, off air was an article that I wrote back in 2014 about uh, David before he was king, when he had the chance to kill Saul uh he had actually the chance twice to kill Saul and didn't do it because Saul was God's anointed and so that was one where David is living under a government that is actively trying to kill him and yet when he has the chance to kill the leader of that government he refuses to do so and uh, so i just drew out a couple of lessons there on that um, because of the book that i'm that i've been writing uh also i think uh the life of daniel uh, gives us that that same uh, that same flavor of living in a country where the government actively opposes your faith I, yeah
0: um Daniel's a great uh, example as well. I think that when we think about daniel um, you know there's this added layer of being taken from his home and his homeland um, you know, being taken to Babylon forcibly. And, and then he serves though over, you know, more than one kingdom. Like he, he lives a long time. Um, and, and he is this faithful human being under several governments that oppose his faith.
2: Yes. In fact, uh, scholars estimate that when, uh, the lion's den, uh, Event that happens, he's probably 75 to 80 years old.
0: Yeah, not um, as pictured.
2: Not as, he's not a young man then. No, because <laughs> he had served Nebuchadnezzar for 30 some years. And then there was about a 12 or 15 year intervening time when a couple of other kings came in. And then Darius, who, who you know, the Medes and the Persians uh, came in. You have the handwriting on the wall. And then you have uh, the lion's den. Yeah, he's an old man at that time. And yet he was able to produce an excellent work product and at the same time stay incredibly faithful to God uh, throughout all 50 or 60 years that he served in government uh, in, in Babylon. And um, he's my hero. After writing this book, uh, only it's only on the first six chapters, but after writing this, Carmen, uh, mm-hmm. Daniel's my hero. I, if i could just be half the man he is i would be a, an outstanding man so one of the things i love incredible... about daniel
0: um i mean i just i love that he has this wit- this generational witness and testimony i mean we we have no evidence that he was ever given the opportunity to marry or have children in fact probably prevented from doing so as a slave um and and yet fast forward generations and there's this star that rises in the east and because of Daniel's faithfulness and because the people where Daniel lived respected him so much generations later there are people who say hey that star that we have a guy who told us about that and that's going to be the star yeah. that's going to rise when the King of Kings is born in Israel and at Bethlehem, and we're going to go like, let's go. Uh, And we know those, uh, you know, as the wise men, and that only happens because of Daniel. Like it's incredible. It's incredible that the testimony of God through Jesus Christ to the Gentile world is established in the person of Daniel.
2: He is such a pivotal character uh, uh, in the old Testament. Uh, and it's almost impossible to study any type of prophecy in the scripture without starting with Daniel. Yeah.
0: We just love him. All right. We got to take a very brief break. When we come back, uh, Bill and I are going to continue this conversation. Um, yeah. And who knows? It's a conversation, so who knows where it's headed. That's up next here on mornings with Carmen. Listen to faith radio live or on demand, no matter where you go, download the free faith radio app at your app store today.
2: Cause I'm just a nobody, to tell all about
0: Continuing our conversation with Bill English, you can find portions of what we're talking about at bibleandbusiness.com. So Bill, I'm wondering if there are some principles from the life of David or the life of Daniel, um, you know, that you could apply when we think about living under any form of government as Christians that, you know, where the government is opposed in particular ways to our faith?
2: Yeah, I I think there's a couple there, and I think that's a really good question. Um, First of all, we have to recognize that the government has all the power, and uh, we're not going to be able to, even in our culture here in America, we're we're only going to have so much power against the dictates of a federal government who is increasingly opposed to our faith. Um, Look, I think uh, there is proper submission to a government when the government does not ask us to sin. There is proper, I'm going to say, rebellion against a government when they do ask us to sin. And so the first thing is... uh, you. You need to be submissive to the government to the extent that the government doesn't ask you to sin. The second principle is that you need to show respect and deference to those who are in power, even if you strongly disagree with them and have an incredibly uh, personal distaste for them, if I can put it that way. This is what Mm -hmm. David showed Saul. He showed Saul respect, even though Saul was trying to kill him, uh, because he had God's perspective on that situation rather than a human political perspective on that situation. So even though many in our audience may strongly dislike President Trump or President Biden, um, if you were to ever meet them, I would expect uh, all of our audience members to treat them with deference and respect because of the position that they held. And, And then the third one very quickly here is that if the government... Uh, is causing you to sin and you refuse to sin, uh, you may have to be willing to suffer for your beliefs. And uh, this is where I, I don't think most churches have, and most Christians have a good theology of suffering, but we're going to have to develop this uh, in in the coming months and years, I think.
0: I'm um, thinking here about First Peter. Um, I'm thinking that it's in chapter 2 where we have this conversation um, about um, sub- oh, yeah. Submit yourselves. I'm going to pick up at verse 13 of First Peter chapter 2. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and com- uh, commend those who do right. It is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people. Don't use your freedom as a cover up for evil live as God's slaves, show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, and honor the emperor. Um, I think that there is instruction in Scripture on this front if we look for it. If if we actually want instruction on this front, um, there is instruction here in in Romans. I mean, there are places in Scripture where—oh, and certainly we see Jesus. um, uh, Let's say— telling Simon Peter to put his sword back in its sheath like this is I'm not here to start a rebellion like right that's not what this is about. Um, If I wanted to call down legions of angels right now I could but that's not what we're doing. Um, Jesus is this in you know demonstrates this in ways that are really hard for us to um, comprehend and take in and yet we see Christians over the course of time and today submitting, even to the point of death, to governments that um, are not godly.
2: You know, the hard right, here's what was going through my mind as you were talking, the hard right and the hard left are just hell-bent on destroying each other mm. and destroying anybody who disagrees with them. And yet my mind, as as you were reading this, I pulled up my Bible and I looked at it, and I have referenced just, I kind of wrote in the in the margin there, the uh the passage from Matthew five where we're supposed to love our enemies, right? Mm. And uh and, and take our enemies and to love them, not to not to do evil to them. I, I, I can't tell you how many um Christians I've met who think more politically than theologically about life. And uh and they are just over the top ready to destroy those who don't agree with them politically. And that's mm-hmm. not biblical Christianity, Carmen. That just isn't. Um, it's a form of Christianity. It's probably a carnal Christianity, I guess, but it's not biblical Christianity. We, Our faith comes before our politics, and our faith is a paradoxical faith. We love our enemies, right? The first will be last. Uh, there's I, maybe, maybe you and I should write a book on the paradoxes of Christianity, or maybe somebody's already written that. I don't know.
0: I wish uh, we were but... I wish we both had like doctorates so we could just call it a pair of docks. Oh or we could or we could go or we could go and sit somewhere on a lake on a dock. Yes, and your I know. dock I could be next to there. my dock <laughs> and we could call it a pair of docks.
2: I was gonna say yeah, but then we'd mm-hmm. be walking on water, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm.
0: I like this idea. Um, I, I like this idea. See, <laughs> I like it when you and I don't really have much of a plan of where we're headed in a conversation because it's a whole lot more fun. Um, Bill, um, in your uh, last week's uh, Bill's Friday Five, um, I was read in on the tax system and I learned a lot. So thank you for that. If you guys want to be read in on um, on a number of really, really helpful things, Bill um Bill posts at Bibleandbusiness.com dot com every Friday. His Friday Five, and I learned that on April the seventh, our national debt exceeded some number that starts with a thirty-one but has one, two, three, four commas. So I think that's somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty-one and a half trillion. Am I right, or is it already some? Yes. Yeah, trillion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. he's got a uh, um, a couple of links here to help us understand what's going on with Social Security, um, and again, with the tax code. So yeah, all kinds of great stuff, bibleandbusiness.com. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, we got to take a break for a break point with John Stone Street. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. All right. Do you remember um, January the 2nd when the Cincinnati Bengals were playing the Buffalo Bills and DeMar Hamlin took a shot to the chest that I don't know in football didn't seem that unusual. But seconds later, he fell to the ground. Um, He collapsed. He was, for all intents and purposes, dead on the field Um. The Buffalo Bills have announced that DeMar Hamlin, their safety, has been cleared to resume football activities. And um, it's nothing short of miraculous, like, right? And it was, I don't know if you remember this, but you remember how people prayed? Like, there was, like, a genuine prayer. Nobody, nobody then said, hey, we don't want your thoughts and prayers. No, I mean, everybody was like, pray, 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 pray. Um, let's give God the glory Let's acknowledge also the first responders and let's, you know, acknowledge the medical uh, uh, people that were engaged and involved, but let's honor God in the midst of this. And let's pray that um, God is able to use this young man um, and in ways that might surprise uh, even him. So that's, uh, that's going on. I wanted to bring you that update today. Paul Angoni is going to join us next. Uh, He is the author of Listen to Your Day, The Life-Changing Power of Paying Attention. What are you paying attention to? What is your mind set on? Um, What are you thinking about? And how are you thinking about what you're thinking about? What are you actually paying attention to? I'm going to invite you to listen to your day. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Paul Angoni is the person that I think of as being um, very tuned into and adept at helping us understand and engage with the millennial generation, but now he's gotten distracted and he's focused on all the rest of us. So listen to your day. The life-changing practice of paying attention isn't just for millennials. It's for all of us. Uh, You can check out what Paul's doing at paulangoni.com. Paul, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen.
1: Oh, Thanks for having me, Carmen. It's great to be here.
0: Did you get distracted from your focus on
1: millennials? You know, I was getting distracted by all my distractions during Mm -hmm. my day, and it was getting difficult to even read a book, let alone write a book. So that's why I felt like, man, I got to do something about this because I've lost my ability to focus. I got to focus on that problem in my life.
0: Okay. So that is a really um, honest way of approaching this conversation. I don't know if um anybody else feels like you and I feel, but man, I feel exactly like that i am I am so distracted i've got so many things that like, that I feel like demand my attention, which we're gonna talk about here in just a moment um that I can't read a book, let alone write one. That is a really good way of summarizing how many of us feel today, so help us listen to our day. Help us re-engage with the practice of paying attention. What what does it mean to pay attention yeah. to something?
1: Yeah, I really feel like this is a lost art. It's a lost science. It's something that we just do not do very well right now. And it's really because there's a battle for our attention more than ever. You know, every every social media platform, every app, every you know, smartphone, the TV, the radio, everything – wants our attention, because our attention is money. Uh, Our time is money. And there's literally a transaction in the phrase, pay attention. It's built in there. You're paying something, almost like you're giving a $20 bill to everything you're paying attention to. And, And yet, what are we investing our attention to? What are we giving our choice attention to? And then also, what are we in debt to with our attention? You know, I think this is such an important topic today because i feel like many of us we've lost our ability to focus and pay attention to things that matter and really the most successful and fulfilled people on this earth i think they've just really learned the skill of paying attention to things that are important
0: Hmm. um if you want to learn um how to listen to your day if you are already saying to yourself i need help with this i would um like to re-engage with the lost art of paying attention the book is listen to your day the life changing practice of paying attention and yes we are giving away copies today you can text the word book to 8779332484 to enter that drawing um uh, paul when you when you talk about this being like a fight um a battle don't you think that actually for most people it's not i'm just passively uh paying attention to whatever the loudest and latest force is that's seeking my attention.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I guess I'm trying to bring a battle to the situation Mm -hmm. because we, we, we've kind of willingly let it be stolen or we've just become kind of become Pavlov's dogs, right. You know, where the bell rings, and we respond. But now I think for many of us, I know for myself, you know, I'm answering my phone, even when it's not making a sound, Mm. it doesn't need to beep for me to constantly be drawn to it. It became my reflex motion, any, any dull moment, any down moment, boring, awkward, await at the airport, you know, I'm grabbing my phone. It's almost becoming my, you know, digital cigarette break. Right. But instead of stepping outside to take that cigarette break, you know, I can just take a hit on my phone right on the couch and escape, uh, in front of everybody. And so mm. I've been, I call us cultural escape artists where we've just become really good at let me just kind of escape from my present, from the people around me. And and I'll go into this phone to look at something, which is nothing, and it distracts me from everything.
0: Yeah, that's so good. I loved um, in chapter five, where you talk about the importance of spending time in awkward, boring, quiet spaces. Um, so talk about the need that our, our brain and our mind yeah. actually, like we need science, we need silence.
1: Yes. Yeah, I envision it to, you know, that, that sponge that's been in your sink for a little bit too Mm. long, you Mm. know, and it kind of smells and it's just soggy. And yet we keep trying to clean the dishes with it. Like it's doing something effective when we probably should have just tossed it out months ago. I don't know if anybody can relate to this overly used sponge syndrome. Just a disgusting
0: (laughs) image. Yeah.
1: We all have, we've all had that sponge. Um, You know, that's what I feel like our minds resemble these days. You know, we never fully let our minds dry out, so to speak, Mm -hmm. in silence, in rest. You know, every break that we're taking is filled with noise. You know, but our brains really are hardwired for that need for for peace, for quiet, for a walk in nature or around trees or, or anything. You know, studies have shown that that does more to improve Anxiety levels, depression levels—just a simple 30-minute walk, than any app could ever hope to do, you know. And yet, we're losing those spaces in our day. And so, I, I really feel like we have to protect them, uh, you know, these kind of silent silos. Uh, even if it's just five minutes in our car, or five minutes when you wake up, or or yeah, taking a hike, taking a walk. We need those moments, those quiet moments, and, and then that, and that's when we get our aha moments you know, as well. You know, we talk about aha moments hitting us, you know, when we're in the shower or we're doing the dishes. It's those moments where we're at peace, at rest, where we're quiet. And that's really when I feel like we can hear all the things the Lord is trying to tell us uh, instead of hearing what the world is trying to shout at us.
0: Hmm. We're talking with Paul Angoni, his latest book, Listen to Your Day, The Life-Changing Practice of Paying Attention. Um, we are giving away copies today. You can text the word book to eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four um I love your um your calling us to do physical things in the physical world, which you've already touched on, but i wanna um i wanna maybe circle back around to that because we feel guilty we feel guilty when we take breaks and yet we can't effectively um, be our best selves. And we certainly can't be present with God in the ways that he really longs and desires. If we're just filling every moment of every day with the noise of the age, can you highlight maybe one more time, the importance of doing physical things in the physical world?
1: Yeah. I, you know, I think we just get sucked into this black hole of our phone far too often, you know? And, um, and it's all the all the apps everything that we you know and we're realizing this more now all of it is built to be as addictive as possible Mm -hmm. you know and i I have uh research from different engineers that have created different uh platforms on the on these apps and they called it like creating behavioral cocaine you know Mm -hmm. that's what they were looking to do you know and that's a strong phrase but that Mm -hmm. they were trying to make it as addictive as possible and uh and so this is a really important so we have to be as as diligent and as intentional with let me take a break from my phone because this break into my phone is actually breaking me. It's it's not helpful at all, it's not productive. So let me take a break, let me put my phone down um, and let me go do something physical with our hands, you know, gardening, uh, working on a craft project, painting a wall, you know, working with wood, whatever, whatever fun hobby, just taking a run, you know, these physical things are so important and crucial. And we still need those in our life, you know? So going back to what you said earlier, Carmen, you know, I think we have to redefine or rediscover what it means to be productive. Mm. I think we've really skewed that word into something that is no longer healthy. It is not productive for us to be busy at the wrong things all the time. That is anti-productive. That was counterproductive. You know, it can be very productive for you to not not do something in that moment, but even focus on your being instead of focus on your doing. That can be very productive.
0: That's so good. Um, We're going to continue our conversation with Paul Angoni here in just a moment. Are you filling all of the pauses in your day um, with distractions, with noise, Um, What would be some ways that you might break that cycle and begin to listen to your day? We're going to ask Paul to tell us about providing a path for our mind and a purpose for our day that would bring us real clarity. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio talking with best-selling author and wonderful communicator Paul Angoni. If you're not familiar with him, check out what he's up to at paulangoni.com. We're talking with Paul today about his new book Listen to Your Day: The Life-Changing Practice of Paying Attention. Um, and yes, we do have copies to give away. You guys know how this works. Text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing for the copies we have on um, on hand. Um Paul when you when when we start thinking about what our mind is set on or the places where our mind is wandering um you talk about the importance of providing a path like i need to give my mind a path and a purpose um can you talk about that ne- that necessity and then how we do that
1: yeah you know, I think we, we've really looked at paying attention maybe a little uh, a little wrong. You know, I know I did. I thought I just kind of paid attention to whatever came in front of me, mm. you know, but really paying attention is an intentional choice. You know, we have to choose to pay attention to something, you know, and, and psychologists have studied this and I detail this in my book and they call it the, uh, the theory of inattentional blindness, that they were actually shocked. About how little we actually see and hear when different stimuluses come in front of us, especially if we're busy with some other task. We actually don't see and hear uh, so much that comes in front of us. Really, we have to choose uh, what to see. You know, we only see really what we're looking for. And, and the beauty of that is then now that gives us even more importance to even starting our days off well. You know, when we wake up, instead of just jumping on my phone, uh, jumping on emails, social media, you know, the tyranny of the urgent, right? Instead of just going head first in the tyranny of the urgent, well, let me set my mind on what is truly important today. You know, what do I really want to, uh, you know, what's my goal for today? What's my, my why, my purpose? What do I want to uh, be present in today? And even as we focus our minds on that and we ask ourselves that question, well, now we've given our mind a path, like you said. You know, we've given our mind a focus so that we can now go throughout our day paying attention to that question, to that goal. And it is so crucial that we – so that this helps us live this active, present, engaged life when we're setting our mind to this thing. You know, and that's why the Bible has a lot of verses – pointing to this, you know, think about things that are are good and righteous and noble, you know, and that's what that's what uh, the Paul talks about, you know, think about these things so that you can then see them in your life. This is not a passive experience. This is an intentional process built on new habits and practices that we need to engage in our life.
0: So one of the things that came to mind as you're describing that in terms of um, setting my mind by setting a path for my mind and intentionally drawing my mind 's attention to certain things and recognizing that other things will then be like blurred to the background um i'm i'm trying to remember the language here um I think it 's foregrounding like what do you bring to the foreground of
1: mm-hmm.
0: um of a painting or a picture or like right what do you focus on so you could look through binoculars? And or a camera lens, and you could focus in on one particular thing, and everything else is literally going to be blurred into the background. Um, That's that's what you're encouraging us to do. Like, be intentional about what you foreground, um, in in every relationship, in every conversation, in every moment. Um, And that takes energy. Like, this is not. um, This is like a working kind of rest. This is not restlessness, but I mean, because there's work that's required to foreground intentionally certain things and not other things. But I think we can all recognize that there have been those moments when we realize, oh, my mind wandered off in the middle of a sermon, in the middle of a conversation, as I was driving, whatever, my mind wandered off. And what you're saying is, let's let's give our mind a pathway um and a destination a a focus point a focal point so that it doesn't just wander off to all of the distractions that are offered today
1: yeah and and then if if those times you know and that's it's so well put carmen i love that that foregrounding you know that perspective you know putting that perspective into place but even if you know if we've given our mind a path and we've been focused on something that's important to us you know now when our mind wanders Mm. which is bound to happen at times, you know, our mind will wander, but, but then now our mind is now solving those problems. You know, Mm. psychologists call it the incubation effect. So they actually have encouraged, you know, especially people at the office, you know, you're working on a problem, you're stuck, you can't solve it. You can't figure it out. Psychologists recommend that you go take a break, you go take a walk for 10 minutes and you'll probably solve the problem on that walk you know, like many of us have learned, you know, and again, that's why I say, aha moments don't happen by accident. They happen in those times now where you're moving, you're at rest, you're at peace and your mind is wandering, but now your mind is solving the problem that you were thinking about earlier. So it's really, again, setting your mind to things above or setting your mind to important things so that even when it does wander, well, now it's solving those problems. And, you know, as a writer, you know, this is my fifth book, you know, so I've written quite a few books, a lot of words in these books. I found that I do my best writing when I'm not writing, mm-hmm. you know, it's not when I'm sitting down at the computer. It's when I go on my 45 minute walk during the work day. And that's something I've scheduled in. That's a new practice that I've changed in my life. And I, and I'm telling you that 45 minute walk where I'm not listening to anything I'm just hearing from the Lord, I'm praying, I'm listening to my day. That is the most productive 45 minutes of my day. Not as That's only so helping good. my spiritual, emotional, mental, physical health, but I'm getting so many great ideas, revelations. That's the stuff that filled this book was on those walks. It's so
0: good. Um, so one of the stories, the biblical stories that came to mind um, as as I was considering our conversation today is the transformation that takes place uh, in the disciples who are walking the seven miles with Jesus or he's walking with them to Emmaus. And their minds are focused on, I mean, their attention is trained on the events that have taken place, but they don't clearly understand um, who he was or what he did. And then Jesus gives their minds a path by um, by filling them with or turning their attention to scriptures that maybe they knew and thought they understood but he opens them to to them in a in a brand new way and they have this aha moment you know their hearts burn within them and they turn and run all the way back so that they can share with others hmm. you know this uh, this change of mind that has taken place in terms of the like genuine aha moment of who Jesus really is um and i do i think that right it's it's it, so many of the things in your book are like captured in that story <laughs> in terms of um, the life-changing practice of paying attention. And then how our attention is rightly trained on on Jesus and the scriptures and, our, um, and the transforming power of being in a relationship with him. So I just wanted to offer you that today as well.
1: Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. I mean, that's a beautiful way to describe this. And, and it really shows how important this is, too. I mean, this is focusing our mind on, on Christ, you know, and fix our mind, uh, you know, so that we don't have ears that can't, that can't hear or eyes that can't see, you know, and Jesus warns of that, you know, he warns that people will, you know, they'll see with their eyes, but they, they won't really see what the truth is, you know, and I, I, you know, I have different verses within the book as I'm studying, you know, the neuroscience of it all, but also the spiritual biblical side of it all. And, you know, I liked this verse from Ecclesiastes where it talks about the wise heart will figure out the proper time and proper way to proceed. Yes, there's a time and a way to deal with every situation, even when a person's troubles are on the rise. You know, and that's what learning the skill and art of paying attention, of really hearing and listening from the Lord. Well, now that's giving us wisdom on the, the correct way to proceed. You know, so now we're not just gathering more and more information. But we're applying knowledge correctly, which is the path of wisdom, you know, and that's what the Lord talks about, you know, choosing that path instead of just choosing the ways of the world, being frantic, being anxious, uh, which way should I go? I I have no idea. I have no clarity in my life, Uh, you know, and we're crying out to the Lord, please show me. Hmm. Well, we've got to be able to, we have to listen, you know, we have to have those times, because he wants to show us, he wants to give us so much beautiful truth during our day. You know, that's that's why I say real answers are found in the details here. I got to wrap
0: it. I got five seconds. That's Paul Angoni. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.